Today's episode is sponsored by Estee Lauder, the nighttime skincare expert. We will explain what we mean in a bit, but first, let's get into the episode. My body could just not manage the stress anymore. And so it started to manifest itself physically, mentally, emotionally in all of these different ways. You name it, I did it in an effort to try to just feel normal. I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived it. From the good stuff like hiring and growing a team. To the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the skim from a couch. So what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch? Today, Lo Bosworth joins us on Skimmed from the Couch. She is the founder and CEO of Love Wellness, a body care company that's changing the conversation about self-care for women. You may know her name from her time on reality TV shows, including The Hills and Laguna Beach, which we all watch. I certainly did. But in the past decade, Lo has also made a name for herself as an entrepreneur and a businesswoman. So we are very excited to have you with us. Welcome to Skimmed from the Couch. Thanks for having me, you guys. So we're going to start how we start all interviews, which is give me your resume for us. Um, So for the past... Four years. I've been the founder and CEO of Love Wellness. And to your guys' point, we make clean personal care products for women. Uh, and we also create a lot of really empowering education for women um, about their bodies so that they know how to take care of their bodies better. Before that, I was really heavily involved in the content creation space. And I created a ton of wellness and food content. Just before that, I was actually a student at the French Culinary Institute. My in... dream. We're going to talk about that. God, it was so good. It had always been my dream to go to culinary school. I loved cooking. I do love cooking. And so a lot of my content at the time was sort of centered on on wellness, nutrition, and food. Before that... I was <laughs> a partner in a different tech startup that failed spectacularly. <laughs> it was called Revelry House. I, I remember that. We were, yeah, we were early this. users. Yeah, this, yeah. yeah, so this was in like 2012. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. is when we started. Yeah. Yeah. So, we sent you the skim. <laughs> yeah, I remember. 2012. And we had this idea that we wanted to put cute party supplies all together party in, a box. in a box party in a box like a curated experience and it turns out that it's really hard <laughs> to put 30 different products from different manufacturers into a box and like ship it at a cost-effective price the boxes were enormous <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to pivot but my co-founder didn't anyway it didn't work out um <laughs> before that i wrote a book that's when I was living in L.A. still. And then before that, I was on the hills. Before that, I was at UCLA. Before that, I was on Laguna Beach. And before that, I was in high school. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> so what is something that is not on your Wikipedia, LinkedIn bio that maybe we didn't see on TV either that we should know about you? Oh. We actually just updated my Wikipedia like two weeks ago because Rizzy, our publicist, was like, have you ever updated your Wikipedia? I was like, no. <laughs> that seems like a horrible thing to do for yourself, right? Like to go on your Wikipedia, read through it, and then be like, this is the crazy shit. I kind of want to pull up your Wikipedia now. It, the old version was pretty cringeworthy. It like went into episode detail of oh The my Hills. God. I was like, how is this relevant? <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's worth I was like, wow. So when you Google me, this is... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Comes up. 
Well, then, so what do you think is something that is like deeply misunderstood about you then? I think for me, and I have just started to talk to people about this with Love Wellness, I haven't really done too many interviews or spoken about this company at great length yet. And I think for me, sort of coming to terms with the transition between being somebody who was on television and when you're on reality TV, you're definitely put into a certain box, right? And then if you are an influencer, you're put into a certain box. And so how do I sort of bridge the gap between living in that space and being taken seriously as an entrepreneur and the founder of a business that's doing really, really well? So how do I reconcile that? And how do people that know me from a distance reconcile that? So I think that that's something that we sort of talk about often. And I think part of why... I'm out doing interviews because I've been working so hard on this for the past four years and we really feel like we're making a difference. And so why wouldn't I want to share that story? But it's definitely something that I feel like I have to still overcome. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that makes sense. So let's get into that a little bit more because we want to talk about your journey from when people started to get to know you to obviously what you are doing today. Mm -hmm. I love wellness. So to start out, I mean, as you said, you were a high school student and then everything else happened. What yeah. was <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> everything, I cannot, everything changed. Which is, when I think back, if someone had filmed my high school experience, I would die. 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 Yeah. What was it like to be not even a young adult, like a kid? A kid, on truly camera? a child. Yeah. Um, yeah so, How old were you when you started? Well, so it was my junior year when MTV first came to Laguna and they were interested in doing something. And at that point, we were a little unclear on what that was. And then I believe, if memory serves correct, it was like the summer before senior year or senior year that they recorded that first season of Laguna Beach and the show premiered my very first week that I was a college student. And it was traumatic. It was right when Perez Hilton was starting to pop off and all of those blogs, if you recall. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, we were on this show that had instant overnight success and social media didn't exist back then. You know, well, thank Facebook, God, because it would have been God, a lot Thank worse. God. But Facebook was in its like first year of being Facebook. And so, you know, you're a kid, you're on this show, you don't have any way to communicate with people in the way that you do now. And so people got to know us as we were portrayed on television. And yes, we were children, right? And so we tried to do our best to not look stupid. So obviously, as kids, you <laughs> had to get... We looked stupid. Well, well they were get... also trying to make you... I yeah. mean, that was the kind yes, of the point. Yes, of course. The yeah. point of reality TV is to make... It's not to, to make create you look... a story, yeah. Yeah. you know? So as kids, you know, you have to get parental permission to be able to film. Mm-hmm. How did you convince your parents to let you do this? My mom was not about it, but my dad was like, this is cool. Um, <laughs> what did he think, like, you were going to get out of it? My dad is a, a really smart guy. And I think from a career and opportunity perspective, he saw it from the very beginning. He was like, you could really do something with this. And for years after the fact, when people would come up to me in public, I would pretend that I wasn't me because I was so yeah. embarrassed. And he was like, Lauren, you just have to own this. Why are you so reluctant to just 
own what you have done and try to use it to your so advantage. If your dad was saying, I think you could really do something with this, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Like, what was, what did he think this could be a platform to do? I wanted to be a doctor, actually. I wanted to be a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon. And I love biology. I think medicine is so fascinating, but I'm not great at math. And so when I was at school, I actually was like sort of on the pre med track, but couldn't really get through those terrifically difficult math classes. Um, which is disappointing, but I think it lends itself to my interest in, in wellness and health in, in general. So it's definitely still a passion of mine. All of that information is really sticky in my brain. It's the stuff that I think about all day long and I really care about. But when you get cast onto a television show and it changes your life, it sort of derails any plans that you had before. Looking back at the attention that all of you guys got and mm-hmm. now looking at how many people are young in either college or their careers and are blasting themselves all over social media. And sometimes that can be a good brand building decision. And sometimes you go into a job interview and I definitely look up their profile and it's not. What, (laughs) What advice do you have for people who are thinking about how to present themselves? I would just say to exercise caution more than anything else. I'm somebody that doesn't go onto Instagram. It is like wrestling with me to get me to post something on Instagram. I don't want to do it. It's like when you have $5 in your bank account, you don't want to look in your bank account. So I have a very different relationship with social media than I think a lot of people do. Of course, when you post something and you get likes, it feels good. Like that experience, I don't think is different for anybody. But for me, I think just because of the experience of being on a reality show and feeling so judged for doing something like that and feeling like I always had so much more to offer, I'm always a little bit hesitant to put anything out into the universe. From an emotional experience, that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm like still working through. Are you, you shocked I mean? looking back that you agreed to do the show? Yeah, it's really not in my personality to do stuff like this. I never wanted to be somebody who was like a known person. You know what I mean? It just sort of happened. When Laguna Beach first started, we didn't even know what the show was going to be. We thought it was like, do you remember that show True Life? Of course. Yeah, we do. (laughs) We kind of thought it was going to be like that. Just a documentary style look at kids that lived in this part of the country Mm -hmm. and then it would go away and it didn't go away no it did not (laughs) it never went away and so it's just been me trying to figure out how to be satisfied with my life knowing that it'll never go away so obviously Laguna Beach became the hills became such a part of the zeitgeist for this age group and you're right hasn't gone away and isn't it weird it is weird. And the fact that it's yeah. like, Isn't like you're like, you've weird? always been it's low really in my weird. life. Like, it's really weird. Like, I do feel like <laughs> so I know you. weird. You had to develop your career and, and, and essentially your public persona yes. after the show. Yeah. Walk us through your mental state at this moment. You were early 20s at this point. Yeah, early 20s. So I guess it would have been like 2010, right? Yeah. Um, 2011. Yeah. So blogs were just becoming a thing. And they were like, it was still really early days. Ami Song didn't exist yet. There was that one girl on YouTube who would do the Lady Gaga makeup videos. Michelle Fan was like the only person who was influencing at the time. And so I know that that ages all of us, but whatever. 
I think for me, I've always loved writing. I've always loved expressing myself creatively. And so I started to write. I had my own website for a period of time and just started to create content and actually had some kids that I went to UCLA with like writing articles. We were just writing articles about stuff. And from there, I wrote a book. But truly, I had no clue what I was doing at that point. And I, at this I point, suppose I suppose I didn't realize that what I was doing was actually laying the foundation for my future in terms of content creation. But at that point, nobody could monetize their content. And so if you were doing it, you were just doing it because you enjoyed it. And I want to drill down on like kind of what your motivations are at this point, because was it this thing that I signed up for in high school took on a life of its own and I, I now need to make money? So. To a degree, it was about making money. But remember, at the time, nobody who was blogging was earning any money. Right. So I couldn't see the, the clear path or connection but I guess, between. I think for me, I wanted to have my own voice. Okay. I think that's what it was about, right? I wanted to have some kind of platform where I could express myself and try to get outside of, you know, the space that I had been in for the past few years. And I think that originally that was sort of the motivator. And I think also at that time, I was so entrenched in the entertainment industry that I thought for a while, okay, like I should try to have some career in the entertainment industry. I've just been on an incredibly popular show. I could go host a show. I could do X, Y, Z. And so I think that most people that work in entertainment create content to a certain degree to just kind of support that creative process. You know what is my favorite thing that people say to me? No, what? When they're like, you look tired. (laughs) What does that even mean? I work hard and I stay up late and I wish I got more sleep. And it shows. Yeah, no, it it shows. Um, Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. (laughs) We are tired. And since we've started the skin, we have been obsessed with finding the right skincare routine. And I think we found the thing for us, which is Estee Lauder's Advanced Night Repair Serum. We spent a lot of time on talking about our skin, trying to make us look not tired, and Estee Lauder's Advanced Night Repair Serum helps fight the look of key signs of aging. So you can wake up to more rested, healthier-looking skin. I'm very nervous when I try new products. I have to say this is a fantastic nighttime serum. It is fast-penetrating, helps skin maximize its natural ability to repair by night and protect by day. It is powerful antioxidants, hyaluronic acid, and it basically works to reduce the looks of lines and wrinkles. So head in store or to estelauder.com to learn more. That's E-S-T-E-E. L-A-U-D-E-R.com. Start tonight with Estee Lauder's Advanced Night Repair Serum now. We talk a lot about career transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like, yes, you were on the show, and then you were doing things that were kind of tangential right, yes. to entertainment industry. And then you started to do something that was really different, Mm -hmm. which was go to culinary school. Yeah. How did you think about that first transition? So the culinary school thing actually does for me have its roots in the entertainment industry. At that time, I was talking to Cooking Channel and Food Network about doing something in the space because we had had conversations and I loved to cook. It was my biggest passion. It still is one of my biggest passions. And so- What do you like to cook? God, everything, vegetables, all vegetables in a hundred different ways. 
chicken that's roasted not what chicken. i was gonna yeah. expect <laughs> i think people that really love to cook really like to cook basic things but in 25 different ways mm-hmm. you know it's like how do you take a carrot and turn it into five different things mm-hmm. that's how i really approach cooking back to what we were talking about though so you know everybody who i was working with on my team at that point was like listen we think that you should probably go to culinary school you know you do have this hurdle to cross now, which is going from reality star to somebody who's in the cooking space and we need to legitimize you. So you need to go to culinary school. And I always had always wanted to go. <laughs> and so I went to culinary school and oh my God, it was the best <laughs> thing I've ever done. It was so exciting every day. Were you good? Oh God, I was the best. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> and I don't mean to show off when I say that, but yeah, I kicked everyone else's ass. But it just comes really naturally to me. It's something that I don't really have to think about. But it was the best thing I've ever done. It was so fun to work in the kitchens and to be on the line and you just feel like you're a part of a team. Was the goal to do this so that then you could get the cooking show? Yes. So the goal was to go to culinary school, legitimize yourself in this space, start making a ton of food content that talks about your experience, and then we'll make something happen sort of like with one of these networks. And it was at that time that I was in a relationship that I thought was like my permanent partner relationship, and it ended up not working out, and it created a lot of stress and anxiety in my body. I got a call that the cooking stuff was not going to work out. They were not interested in like pursuing the contract that we were working on. And it was at that point that I started to get sick. I was experiencing really bad depression and anxiety, really bad dizziness, exhaustion, fatigue. I was truly upside down in my body. It's like if you have a glass of water and you start filling it up with water and all of a sudden the water starts to spill over, that's how I felt in my body all of a sudden. Like I was fine one day and then the next day I was not fine anymore. And I think it was a confluence of factors. You know, your career, you have something that doesn't come to fruition after you've been working on it for a really long time. Your relationship is not working. Something's not right in your body. And you sort of come to a crossroads and have to make decisions about how you want to move forward with your life. And it was through that experience of not being well and trying to heal my body and trying to be in a better place or an okay place again, physically and mentally and emotionally, that love wellness was born. During this period, which you're talking, describing a very dark and difficult period for yourself. Yeah. What were you doing every day? Adjust my timeline a little bit, but you had finished the um, the culinary school. I had finished culinary school. I was creating a lot of content still. So it was on the lowdown and on my YouTube channel at that point. Um, And were you being open with your audience about your struggles? Eventually. Okay. But not as you were going through it. Not as I was going through it, sort of closer to the tail end of the experience um, because I just didn't know what was going on. Totally understand. Who would would share that? You know, that was in 2015. Nobody was talking about this stuff yet. People talk about it all the time now. But in 2015, nobody was talking about this stuff. So I was still creating content. And at that point, I was really monetizing everything I was doing. It was going really well. I had a great YouTube channel. Um, I was putting out videos all the time, blog posts all the time. Did you have a team? A small team. Yeah. So we still had the lowdown and I had three people creating content alongside of me. I would say that a couple of years ago really was kind of like heyday for content creators. And so everything was going really well, but I was just sick. But at that point, I would say that my content definitely transitioned from more of a beauty focus to definitely a wellness and food focus. And nutrition for me 
or played a huge part in my life when I was trying to sort of get better. And so my content started to reflect that without me revealing what was going right. on. So Love Wellness was obviously born out of your personal journey that you were going through. Mm-hmm. What was the white space that you saw that you were like, there's a business here? Sure. So along with sort of just like the depression, the anxiety, all of those things, I was at the OBGYN all the time because like when your chemicals are out of balance, your gut is out of balance, you're going to get infections all the time. Like you're going to, I was at the OBGYN constantly because I just could not get control over my body. And it turns out that I was suffering from really severe vitamin deficiencies. And so it took me a year and a half to make that discovery or for a doctor to connect what I was going through to something that was actually physically manifesting itself in my body. It's like the example I gave with a glass of water, the water started to spill over. For me, my vitamin levels dropped so low that my body could just not manage the stress anymore. And so it started to manifest itself physically, mentally, emotionally in all of these different ways. So I went from doctor to doctor and practitioner to practitioner and naturopath to chiropractor to healer to meditation specialist. You name it, I did it in an effort to try to just feel normal because I was so uncomfortable in my body that I just knew that something was wrong beyond just generalized anxiety or a moment of depression, right? When I finally discovered that it was these vitamin deficiencies, it really blew my mind. It was a huge sense of relief, I would say, not because I could sort of like put the blame on it, but just because I finally had some kind of path forward. Yeah, you could give it a name. I could give it a name and I could take some kind of action that would actually improve my life. And so it was really a pivotal moment for me. But back to the white space question, I was at the OBGYN constantly and the prescriptions didn't work or they would work for a limited time. And I was at the drugstore constantly and I was standing in the fucking tampon aisle looking at all of these products from legacy brands and just... A, feeling bad about myself because I was there again. B, embarrassed that I needed products to take care of my body, which is a shared experience among women when you have been low-key advertised anti-feminist messages from these companies your whole life. And C, I just felt like when I used those products, they didn't actually work. You know, they were irritating for your body. They, they, They didn't work. People still sell douches. Like, that's crazy to me. <laughs> so I think that's a really interesting point because when I think about wellness yeah. and the space, there are kind of two camps that I see. One is it's definitely a hot space. You know, unlike what you were talking about, your experience in 2015, today people are talking about it. Yes. Which is great. And I think that there are kind of the companies that – look at wellness and don't necessarily take the scientific-backed approach. Mm -hmm. And then there are companies that definitely do. What was your thought in coming up with what you wanted Love Wellness to stand for? Sure. So for me, I couldn't find products that were readily available that made me feel better. And so it was sort of the graduation to different kind of specialists in women's health and research that really changed my perspective on how to take care of my body. And it's interesting because doctors will still tell you, don't use this kind of detergent, eat a healthy diet, get sleep. But until you actually put those lifestyle changes into practice, you don't really realize how serious they are about those things. And there's nobody out there until sort of 
recently that is saying the products that these legacy brands have put out there are not actually that great for women's unique biologies. They were invented by men decades ago. They have been sitting on the shelf for a really long time. And women's research has come a long way since these products were invented. Right. Um, And just to be clear, like what we're talking about, we're not talking about tampons. I mean, we are talking about tampons. We're talking about douches. We're talking about lubricant. We're talking about personal care washes, all all the stuff that you find in the women's personal care aisle. We're talking about antifungals over the counter. All of these products were invented a while ago. Yeah. And they have not gotten makeovers in a really long time. And they've been marketed as safe and effective for women. But I would say that most women could could say honestly from their experience with them that they really are not. Nobody has really been talking about that. But brands like Love Wellness and other brands in the space are talking about that. But there's this huge sort of area of misinformation when it comes to this kind of stuff. That we're trying to sort of break through and solve with good education, doctors that are on our team, et cetera, et cetera. As a startup, how do you think through the liability around creating these products when you have such a clear mission, right? And you've already pinpointed what's been wrong with legacy brands that have so much money in research and development, whether or not they actually use it is different. But how do you think about verifying the claims to make products that are healthier than what has been the the norm? So we have a really great wellness advisory board made up of different doctors, nutritionists, et cetera. And when I first started the company, sort of the guidance that I received from them was, hey, there are alternatives out there from sort of smaller companies that are kind of clued into women's bodies and what's going on. And so I started to use those products, a probiotic designed specifically for women's health that has strains of bacteria that occur organically, like in the vaginal microbiome and in your stomach. And, you know, these kinds of products really help women. Hey, if you want to use a personal care cleanser, let's make sure that it is made with all natural ingredients that are not going to irritate that sensitive skin on your body. And let's make sure that that cleanser is pH balanced so that when you use it, you're not killing off good bacteria in that part of your body that protect you from getting infections. One of the things that's been really unique about your brand is Mm -hmm. um, something you called the Love Club, which (laughs) I love that name, which is really a forum for your community to be able to ask kind of these, you know, really intimate questions. Yes. What happens when somebody posts something that they're like, this is the truth? And one of your advisors is just like, that seems really wrong or that's a liability. How do you monitor that? We have different sort of areas of liability for different pieces of the business. The physical products, we follow a certain set of rules and guidelines. You know, the vitamins, we work with the FDA on sort of like the claims that we can make and we follow good manufacturing practices. And so it's like a very stringent list of sort of testing before anything comes to the market. But with forums and online communities, it's different. And so we have our wellness advisors that are creating content, expert content, where they're talking about a a topic, Mm -hmm. right? And they can share their opinion in that way. But within forums, our liability is different. So I'm if like you are on my forums as a customer, just a stranger, and you write something, I'm not necessarily liable for what that person is saying. But we are responsible for what our experts are saying. I'm really curious, you know, as founder to founder, you had, you know, the party in the Vox business, right? <laughs> Which we were Which actually it was, was a great such idea. a good learning yeah, experience. It was a great My idea. God, it was like going to business We were school. very excited when you did that. Uh, <laughs> 
And you saw that that didn't work. You saw a co-founder relationship. You guys wanted different things. Mm -hmm. You know, you're in this new business and you realize it's time to get funding. Like you go out and raise venture funding, which we know firsthand is not an easy thing to do. What did you take away from kind of the first startup experience to help you do it differently this time? Yeah. So some very specific things. One, that I wanted to do it on my own, at least initially, because I had a very specific vision and idea for what I wanted the company to be. And the co-founder relationship previously, it was with a friend, but we just saw the universe differently. And so I didn't want to have to take the risk of working with somebody that wanted to do things in a totally different way. Um, So that was the first thing. And this is not to say anything bad about having a co-founder. I think in a lot of of instances, it's super helpful, right? Especially if you have a different skill set. But that was sort of the first thing for me. The second thing for me was small products, small box, right? (laughs) You learned a lot. I learned a lot. Small products, small box. Keep your cost of goods as low as possible and your margins as high as possible. And those were just sort of the immediate takeaways that I had. It was like, think about what is a recurring revenue type of business. And so for me, when I thought about first creating Love Wellness, I definitely applied all of those lessons to it. It was a product that I really wanted and that actually materially changed my life (laughs) and helped me get better. And it felt sort of like I don't know, the next frontier for like helping women in this space. I know that sounds crazy, but like it just really helped me, you know, and all of my doctors were like, when we use these types of products we see in our practice, it's helping all kinds of women. And how big is your team now? We're about 15 people. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. What are you like as a manager? I would say that I'm really good at making decisions. And so I hope that I'm easy to be with because I just make up my mind really easily. We have a really, I would not say relaxed work environment, but a really friendly work environment. We have hired people that are all the same. We're all type A. We all are perfectionists. And that's why we have been able to grow the business so rapidly with a small team in a short period of time. I also just want it for our audience to kind of put into perspective. In the past year, you've had 1,200% growth and an eight-figure revenue number. Yes. That's incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, 2018 to 2019 was wild. <laughs> That's amazing. When you think about the wellness industry that you're in, mm-hmm. what's something that you think needs to change? I would say that I think one of the big problems is that in the internet age, most of what you find online is opinion-based and not fact-based. And I don't think that that's ever going to change. There's no going back. I do hope, though, that people will get to sort of a place over the next couple of years where fake news kind of becomes less of a thing and you can find good sources of information that are reliable because I think that that is challenging right now. Even good sources of information are being questioned. And so we are sort of in this weird cultural moment where up is down. And so with wellness, I think it's very similar. And I would say with CPG brands that are in the wellness space, just do your research before you decide to do things. Who is backing these brands? Who's on their team? Is it, you know, somebody random who's just like making weird ass vitamins or is it people that actually have a genuine message? It's hard to find the truth through the clutter. I would say. My last question before we go to our next segment is, who do you go to for advice? 
I would say my parents, honestly. And I go to them more for emotional support, I would say. I have people in my life that give me very specific business advice. But the business decisions that I make are cut and dry. I'm extremely logical. I make the logical decision always. And so if I don't have the information, it's easy for me to get the information because it's just about learning a new skill set or finding out information that I don't know yet or figuring out how to get through an experience that I have not gone through yet. And so in that way, you know, I, I have guidance, but it's not challenging for me to make decisions. It's when things get emotional, you know, like the first time I had to fire somebody, raising money, do I go with this person or this person? It's those deeper emotional decisions where you are kind of unclear on the outcome and what the outcome really means for you that I seek guidance. And, and so I really get it from my parents more than anybody else because they've always supported me in that way. Okay, we're going to go to our last section. It's our lightning round. So we ask you questions. You should go fast. Yes. Okay. First call you make when you get good news. My parents. What about bad news? My friend Jill. When is the last time you negotiated for yourself? I'm doing it right now. Good luck. Any tips? Know your worth. And if you have something good, don't give up easily. Can you skim your nighttime routine? Yes. My nighttime routine is take a steam shower have a tea, like a sleepy time tea, and then binge something in bed until your I think brain you should shuts, open shuts a off spa. and watch it walk. That sounds like a great, great yes. idea. <laughs> I love sleepy time tea yeah. as well. What's the last thing you binged? Currently, cheer. <laughs> so I good. mean, you know we're fans. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> if you could redo one scene on the hills, what would it be? Oh, God. People always ask me, like, why were you so mean to Audrina in this one episode? I was like, I wasn't, dude. This has happened on the cutting room floor. Stop sending me DMs about this. <laughs> okay. Um, what is your favorite love wellness product? Good Girl Probiotics. What's your shameless plug? My shameless plug is all about love wellness. We are the premier women's wellness company making clean personal care products. We have a really great mission and we see that we can make products for women that actually make a difference. I actually have one final question. I'm going to mortify Danielle right now. You have to answer as fast as you can. Okay. Danielle thinks she looks like Lauren Conrad. No, True or false? True or false? This is the worst day to do this, too. Uh, I'm going to get you back so hard. You just raised the bar. You do have the same color eyes. Yes. We can brainstorm how we're going to get Carly back. This is great. Low. Okay, congratulations. It's great to watch your journey. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra. 